Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. When I was about 28 years old, I lived in downtown Los Angeles with my boyfriend. We were both comedians who often traveled out of the city, but rarely together because we had a dog that we just couldn't leave at home alone. My boyfriend had left two days prior to do some shows in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I stayed home to watch our dog and to go to my regular job, which at the time was a bartender. One night, after closing the bar and returning home, I walked our dog, fed him, and then we both climbed into our loft bed, which was situated above our couch. I probably fell asleep around 2.30 a.m. that night, as I didn't get home till around 2 on nights such as these. We had this wonderful neighbor across the hall, a man that we affinitively called Coach, due to the fact that he was once a youth basketball coach, before taking his time to enjoy retirement. Coach was a big man, large, over six feet easily, and filled with love. He would occasionally come over to hang out, smoke a joint, eat some dinner, and watch basketball with us. Well, this morning, around 5 a.m., I could hear Coach banging on everyone's doors in the apartment, screaming at them that they needed to get out. In my fatigued state, I don't even think that I realized he was yelling fire. I shook myself out of my stupor, gathered my senses, grabbed my dog into my arms, and headed for the front door. As I touched the doorknob, it was scalding hot. You remember that scene from Home Alone, where Joe Pesci's character touches the hot doorknob that leaves an imprint on his hand? It was exactly like that. As I was able to get the door open, I met by a wall of black smoke. But all the while, I could hear Coach's reassuring voice, urging and directing everyone down the hall to the exit. Once we made it outside, all of us residents waited for the LA Fire Department and Police Department to arrive and investigate the house. Within an hour or so, they obtained security footage, and the police began to gradually question all of us individually, asking if we knew anything about the fire, and if we would view the footage that they found. My neighbor down the hall, a girl my age, had this retrospectively sketchy boyfriend in her life. Apparently, he had broken into the building by navigating through back alleyways and hopping fences before scaling the fire escape. In the security footage, you can see him casually stroll down the hallway after making entry, before beginning to walk backwards from where he entered, dumping a five-gallon can of gasoline as he walked. He then simply lit a match, tossed it onto the carpeted floor, before disappearing into the night, using the fire escape that he had used to enter. All of us residents watched the footage in horror as the entire hallway quickly became engulfed in flames. It wasn't until later on that we learned that my neighbor had recently dumped the man for being abusive 
and harassing her constantly. What scares me to high heavens is the fact that he was willing to burn down an entire apartment building just to gain retribution with her. Thanks to the rapid response of the fire department, the flames were contained to a single floor of the building, and overall the damage wasn't too terrible. While some of the residents who had the apartments right by where the flames began were unable to return to their homes, most of us were able to resume life as normal. While I'm grateful for the fire department's response, it was coaches' swift thinking and bravery that may very well have saved a lot of us. Our front doors all latched very strongly, and before I opened my door that morning, I couldn't even smell smoke. It's terrifying to think how long that inferno could have raged for before any of us would have known anything was amiss. A few weeks go by, and a level of normalcy is restored. I don't believe the cops initially found the suspected arsonist, but thankfully, he never came back. I'm unsure if this next part had anything to do with the fire at all, but it's something that left me absolutely shaken. I was returning to my apartment one evening when I see an ambulance parked by the front doors of the building. As I enter the lobby, I see Coach, flat on his back, with EMTs all around him, attempting to provide CPR. To say I was shocked wouldn't do the experience justice. I stepped inside the building, pretty much just in time to witness the paramedics halt their efforts. Coach was gone. In all my time interacting with this man, he had never keyed us in on if he was unwell in any way. I don't know if he was suffering in silence or if it was just his time. But regardless, Coach passed on three weeks to the day from when that fire began and he sprung into action. Anytime someone you know or interact with regularly passes on, it's a sad experience, no doubt. But this one was harder than losing a simple acquaintance. Coach was a big personality, a big presence, and in my approximation, a big hero. While this happened a few years back, I still find myself thinking of him and missing him regularly. I tell this story not only to share a harrowing ordeal of almost having my home burned down and perhaps my person in the process, but to give Coach the recognition that I think that he deserves. Thanks for being my hero, Coach. I hope you're resting easy. I used to be an assistant martial arts teacher at a school that taught kids aged 5 to 18. It was located on a military base, so we had a variety of students who had traveled around the world and had experienced more than most kids their age. Different personalities, open minds, and a willingness to explore were common traits among these children. There was this one little girl, though, who possessed a completely different trait. I was 20 years old at the time, and this girl, let's call her Olivia, was around 10 years old. She had black hair, a fair complexion, and was always smiling. She became quite attached to me and always found ways to get my attention. Sometimes, she would run up to me, playfully hit me, and then run away giggling. Other times, she would misbehave in class out of spite, just to gain my attention. Overall, she seemed like a normal young girl, discovering herself and the world around her. That's what just about anyone would assume. 
However, one day, I noticed that Olivia began acting strangely, unlike her usual self. She appeared heartbroken about something, looking tired, yet both antsy and nervous. I asked her if she was okay, but she simply replied with a yes and didn't elaborate. I would have raised my concerns with her parents, but they were never really present. As the days went by, Olivia continued to appear downcast and sad. Then, one afternoon after class, she ran up to me with her familiar smile on her face, the one that always made me smile too. She handed me a folded piece of paper. What's this? I asked, starting to unfold it. I drew it for you, Olivia said with a smile, giggling. As soon as I saw what she had drawn, shock instantly coursed through me, leaving me at a loss for words. A single chill ran up my spine, and my hands began to shake. It was a crude drawing of me dressed in my martial arts uniform, with Olivia depicted as stabbing me with a kitchen knife. Multiple stab wounds on my body were oozing blood, which also covered Olivia and the knife she held. Strangely, both of us were smiling in the drawing. It's me, killing you, Olivia exclaimed. The giggle, now a full-born laugh. I quickly folded up the drawing and returned it to her. Thanks, Olivia, but you can keep it, I said, my voice flat, still in a state of shock. She seemed wholly unbothered by the fact that I didn't want to keep her drawing, and she quickly took it back and retreated back towards the rest of her classmates. I know that it was a single drawing, and it probably shouldn't have freaked me the way that it did, but this girl had never expressed any sentiment to me that would lead me to think that she would draw something so graphic and then hand it off as if it were nothing. I didn't see Olivia again after that afternoon. She had quit the class, and deep down, I felt relieved that she had decided to quit. Even though Olivia had left, her impact remained. I was left grappling with unease that refused to subside. The image of her drawing was etched into my mind, an eerie reminder of the complex emotions that children can harbor. I don't know where Olivia may be in life now. She would be the age that I was at the time that she handed me that drawing. I hope she's a healthy young woman, mentally sound, and living a good life. I only hope that the drawing was a singular occurrence with Olivia, and no one else had to experience such a disturbing situation like I did that afternoon. Besides its effect on me, I can't help but wonder what made her draw that in the first place? This story took place on Sunday, October 29th, 2022. My father is a man named Daniel Tremouche, and I am his son, John Tremouche. I currently live near the Swiss border, but reside in France, originally from Grenoble, where my entire family, my parents, and my sister live. My parents live in their apartment on the outskirts, and my sister lives in Grenoble proper. After a pleasant weekend with my girlfriend, visiting our families, we return home. We grab some McDonald's 
and settle in at home, ready to watch our favorite series on TV. At that moment, I receive a call from an unknown number at about 9 p.m. Generally, I don't answer unknown numbers, especially at this hour, due to harassment issues in school that left lasting effects. However, I felt a strange sensation and decided to answer, thinking that it might be important. I answer, and after saying hello, someone immediately asks, Are you the son of Daniel Tremouche? I, of course, answer yes. It didn't surprise me at the moment because my father has been a salesman for 35 years for the same company, and my phone number was his 15 years ago. So every now and then... So every now and then, I get calls from very old clients of his. We don't have the same voice, so it didn't surprise me to be asked, Are you the son of? After confirming, the person says directly, your father's been in a car accident. Panic rises in me. I start trembling. My girlfriend is next to me and immediately senses that something is wrong. I was petrified because the tone used by this stranger clearly meant to entail that my father was dead. In a panic, I ask, where? How? And the crucial question, who are you? They tell me that they were a witness to the accident and that my father was taken to the hospital. I continue my panic and shout, asking where? Where did the accident happen? How? The person says the car flipped. Still shaking, I explain this to my girlfriend. The stranger on the phone says that he wants to call his wife, and I hang up immediately. At that moment, I conclude that my mother wasn't with my father. For your information, my parents sometimes have significant arguments and my dad occasionally goes for a lonesome drive. My mother has been ill for years, and she heads to bed at 6 p.m. every day, so I knew that I wouldn't reach her, but I try anyway. I call my mother. No response. I call my sister, who is more sensitive, and she proceeds to have a panic attack right there on the phone with me, screaming. I tell her to wake mom up immediately because she's not answering the phone. At the same time, my girlfriend calls her mother to ask her to call hospitals around Grenoble to find out where my father might be. Meanwhile, I call the number that called me again, this time for more information, repeating, where did it happen? Where? The person avoids the question, and after a few seconds, gives me the road number. I shout at him, who knows road numbers? Towards where? Which city? Which village? He says, towards Angers. And then it clicks. I think, wait a minute. I was with my father at 5 p.m. I'm home now. It's impossible for him to have traveled from Grenoble to Angers in four hours. At that same moment, my girlfriend, with incredible reflex, hears me say, Angers? And immediately calls my father on his mobile. My father answers disdainfully, yes. She says, Daniel, did you have an accident? He laughs and says, absolutely not. I'm on my couch right now watching football. At this point, I tell the person on the phone that my father is alive and safe. He says, but you're not Matteo Tremouche? I reply that I have no Matteo in my family, that my name is John.
The man apologizes, but in a way that gives me this chilling feeling, as if he had achieved what he wanted, to see or more likely hear me in a panic. I asked him five times how he got my number, and he never answers. He says, sorry for scaring you. I hang up, inform my sister, calm her down in the process. Later, I exchanged messages with this strange man because I didn't understand how he got my number, which is literally nowhere to be found on the internet. He told me that my number was displayed on the first page of Google in a directory. I searched the internet thoroughly that night, and it's impossible. The messages were strange. He mentioned a Laurent, even though he clearly said my dad's name. He apologized for his clumsiness, states that he managed to contact the man in question's wife, and that the man was now deceased. After a few days, my sister-in-law, who is a surgeon, told me that it's the firefighters who contact the family, not random people like that, even those involved. Moreover, when there are deaths on the road, there is always a press article or even an obituary that I would have found. I tried calling the number back a week later for answers, but the phone number was no longer connected. Was this a bad joke? Was it someone who wanted to see me in a panic? How did they get my number? Just telling this and remembering this moment still gives me a fright. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.